an absolutely wild week in the NFL. We will recap all of that for you on this episode of the Going Going Gooner podcast. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. For nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely, will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. This is episode 52. As always, I'm your co-host Arjun, joined alongside me with my other co-host Kyle. Before we get started, be sure to drop us a follow on Twitter at ggguunerpod. And this podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Kyle, where do we even start? Uh, That is a good question, in all honesty. Uh, And we are filming this on November 3rd. Uh, at around 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to give the listeners some idea of where we're at timeline-wise. Um, today in the NFL alone, there's been like nine different stories that have come out um, that are all going to be discussed right now on the podcast. And that's all going to happen. But we have to discuss, you know, the game the Saints played this week because we're a Saints podcast. So we have to start with the Saints game. And the Saints game also has 10 stories from it. So we'll get through all of them. But we're going to start with the Saints game and the score, the Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 36-27 at home in a game that many said, oh, the Saints are going to lose, the Bucs are going to destroy them, it's not going to be close. You know what, Arjun? We won. And you know what's better? We did it without Jameis Winston. And Kyle, I mean, both of us said the the Bucs would win the game. Um, but I said 24-13, you said 24-23. Uh, final score was 36-27, but I mean, uh, going into this one, I was I was actually decently confident because it was really, you know, the fans back in the Dome, we are obviously had a home game against the Giants earlier this season and lost, um, but I, I think going into this one, divisional games are always a toss-up, especially against a team like the Buccaneers, who are so strong on both sides of the football, but I mean, to to get started within this game... Uh, the the clearest thing that we'll talk about we'll cover after the game as well is that Jameis Winston went down with an injury early on and was replaced with Trevor Simeon Taysom Hill um, out with a concussion Taysom Hill out with a concussion but yeah. Sean Payton said that if Taysom was active Trevor Simeon would have still been the backup quarterback yes but we'll discuss the quarterback stuff in a little bit but um, but Simeon came in and and did a pretty good job he, I mean. I mean, 16 for 29, 159 yards, threw for a touchdown, made some pretty important throws in the fourth quarter. The offense really stalled in the third third quarter as they were trying to adjust to the situation. But, I mean, the most important thing, Simeon, no turnovers. So no t- managed the game really mm-hmm. well. Uh, got us a, a go-ahead score in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, he showed what he can do. He, he did exactly what he had to do in this game, which was don't screw it up. And if he can do this from here on out, and we'll discuss him, and we'll discuss Taysom and Ian Book later, if he if he does that, I am content that all this offense and defense needs is basically how Jameis has played, which is just don't turn the ball over and complete the passes you have to, which is what Simeon did here, what Jameis has done all season so far, is just don't turn it over, give us a chance that this is a defensive team that will win you games. And as we saw, the defense literally won us the game today. The Saints are the regular season kryptonite to Tom Brady and the Bucs. That is just what we know now. The, Tom Brady is 1-3 against the Saints overall, 0-3 in the regular season now. He, I believe, has 15 interceptions thrown as a Buck, and eight of them are against the Saints. Like, that is an absurd number to have, that the Saints know how to get the ball off him. He had three turnovers in this game, two picks, one fumble lost. I mean, the Saints just outright won this game, and... Anyone saying, oh, well, the Bucks had an injury to Gronk and to Antonio Brown. Okay. Michael Thomas has been hurt all season. We lost our starting quarterback. We don't have our starting kicker. Half our team is still hurt somewhere. Our O-line is destroyed. I don't know what you mean by the Bucks have more injuries than the Saints do. That's just a lie. Uh, I will say <laughs> that that despite you know all of the misfortune the Saints have faced this season so far and in this game, the Bucks sort of handed it to us a little bit. 
Um, you know, three turnovers on Brady's part, something you don't see very often. Um, the Saints got six first downs from penalties on Tampa. Tampa committed 11 on the day. The Saints only two penalties for 10 yards. Tampa made a lot of mistakes and, and a lot of unforced errors that the Saints capitalized on. Yeah, and a lot of those errors were as soon were around the time Jameis got hurt and Trevor Simeon came in. I believe there was like three or four roughing the passers called. There was in sportsmanlike conduct brought up against Devin White and others. I mean, it was wild to see that Jameis first it was a horse collar. Uh, it's when he got hurt, but we'll discuss him more later. Then there was three, I believe. Plays in like within a ten play span that were all roughing the passers. Yeah, Kyle, and on on the on the drive with the roughing the passers, we only got a field goal out of it. It, w- it was two roughing the passer calls. One of them was a roughing the passer, I think. The second one, I'm not sure about, but there was one earlier in the drive that should have been called that wasn't called. So I mean, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of Tampa making a lot of um, unforced errors, a lot of mistakes. But but the Saints, as I said earlier, capitalized on them. I mean, um, Brady's fumble uh, was was huge. The Saints got a field goal after that drive. Brady threw a pick immediately after that field goal, uh, three plays in, and then the Saints got a touchdown. Um, it was the one yard pass from from Simeon to Arma, and obviously the pick six at the end of the game, which sealed it. So the Saints were able to take advantage of of pretty much every mistake Tampa made through this game, and that's what I think was the difference here. But and we've been talking about the quarterback play, we've been talking about the forced turnovers, but the defense was uh, astounding. I mean, it gave up 27 points, but it, it's not often you get to say you got three turnovers off Tom Brady and picked up 17 points off those turnovers in the process. No, it's not, and... Uh, to say what happened on one of the turnovers, one of the interceptions, uh, today during uh, the media part of the Saints uh, after practice, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who had the first interception on Brady in the game, um, was quoted as saying, uh, and I quote, I was in a boat. I was jamming my receiver on an island. Then I saw a little baby goat floating in the water, so I had to go pick him up. That might be the best quote I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it, CD, CD's got away with words. We know this um, on and off the field. Yep, um, can confirm. But uh, I'll just I'll just go back to the end of the game, um, which I think you know the part everybody remembers. The, the part that gave us both a heart attack uh, ten times. <laughs> so the drive, we were down twenty-seven to twenty-six. Tampa had just scored a touchdown. There are five minutes and forty-four seconds left. Uh, at this point. Um, you're thinking it, it's a lot of time to run down all of the clock. So this drive was 12 plays for 70 yards, and I think towards the end of it, everyone was was questioning Sean Payton's clock management. Um, but I'll go a little bit back to to Trevor Simeon's performance on this drive. To, to commandeer a 12-play, 70-yard drive under those conditions, under that pressure, um, biggest play of the game for me besides the pick six was just a just a simple Trevor Simeon 16-yard pass over the middle to Callaway on oh, the second beautiful. and seven. It was beautiful. To it watch. was it was so important, such an underrated play in in the scheme of the game. But then uh, it, it was first and goal after that, the two-minute warning, and we throw the ball three times, two of them incomplete, one of them complete to Kamara, and the clock stops with 141 left after Brian Johnson hits a field goal. I mean, we won the game. But Sean Payton could have done a much better job there, I think. So he could have done a much better job, but he explained it after the game, and listening to him, it does make sense what he was trying to do. It, it does, His, but, but so I— So firstly, we were, I believe, what? We were down 26, 27 at the time? Yes. Okay, so we were down by one. In his mind, he says we need a touchdown. That is what he was saying, was we need a touchdown. I don't care about field goal. I'm going touchdown right now. So he went touchdown, and that was why the three passes happened in a row. Because he said, I need a touchdown right now. If I can get a pass, complete it. A, it moves the chains, does what we want to do. It runs some clock down. Plus, it also gets us closer to a score. And there's a chance that we can score a touchdown here and basically end the game at that point. And I understood what he was saying. I mean, on, on first and goal from the nine, I don't know where it hurts to run the football. But think about it in the terms of we're down one, a field goal gets us up two, a field goal from Brady wins. I'd rather bet he's going to get a field goal than bet he's going to score a touchdown with how much time is left. So Sean Payton's logic was fine. Is it a coaching decision that has to be made? It's a 50-50 one. Mm-hmm. And it didn't backfire here. If it backfired, it would have been discussed in a huge, huge debate. 
but it did end up working, so I'm okay with it. I think it's being less talked about because of other media stuff, but it was a reasonable and logical decision for him to be like, I'm going touchdown. Our best chance right now, because they're a great run defense, is to go through the air. And through the air was working all day. I mean, Kevin White had a 38-yard catch. Like, his first catch since 2017, by the way, shout out to Kevin White. He finally caught a ball. Um, but he he had catches. I mean, we had multiple, multiple receivers with catches. Arma had a touchdown catch. Troutman caught some balls. Montgomery, Kamara, Ingram, Callaway, Griff, Garrett Griffin, man. He had three catches. <laughs> and, elite, elite pass catcher right here, Garrett Griffin. And, yeah, just to go back to the end of the game, um, I mean, I'll just talk through like my emotions when that happened because I mean, we were we were up 27 29 to 27 um Tampa I believe they still had a timeout left they had one timeout um, and they got the ball back with 141 and to go. and and the first pass Brady incomplete to Evans it was almost picked off Marcus Williams almost picked it off but decided to hold to hold up his route instead of picking the pass off because he'd rather would hit Evans if he were to catch it than pick it off he was scared so I'm fine with that and then and then the next play um, you know, my YouTube TV was behind the Twitter feed, so I had to put my phone away for the last drive. Yeah, we, and we both put our <laughs> phones away. After the field goal went in, uh, we put it out on the Twitter. We said, uh, we are not going to tweet out until something happens in this game due to our streams being behind. We are too scared to check Twitter. So we both put our phones down and watched the game and explain what happened. And uh, PJ Williams picks it off, and, and I'm screaming. I think this is the loudest I've screamed watching a Saints game because how good did that feel? I mean, to... To to win a game against against Tom Brady, um, a guy that I don't like very much as a person, um, <laughs> you, uh, you and both, brother. You to, and me both. To win a game against Tom Brady, um, to end it on an interception with Trevor Simeon playing quarterback for for most of the game, it felt really good. And w- when when Williams picked it off, um, I I wasn't really thinking. I was yelling, "Go down!" I was yelling, I was "Go say down!" You and Quan Alexander, because Quan tried saying, "Go down, go down." And then Williams dodged a tackle on the sideline and then said no and then ran it in. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was yelling go down because, I mean, there's Tampa has one timeout left. That's just, you know, easy, easy run the clock out. But then when we scored, I was like, oh, it's going to be a nine-point game. It won't matter. He got in the end zone. I, I did the calculations in my head, and then I started losing it. Um... We, I mean, we saw the we saw the tweets from all the Saints reporters. That is probably the loudest they've heard the dome in a long time, and you know, watching the video back, um, hearing the roar of the dome, just the crowd noise, just an incredible feeling to cap off, you know, a roller coaster of a game, and and uh, you know, to. To to proceed what was a roller coaster of a week too, uh, in it between was. games. It was and. The game just as a whole was amazing. It was electric. I mean, I firstly, as we as we discussed while we were watching the game, because we were both texting about it during the game, during the game, um, it was like, oh no, when is it coming? When like as soon as Winston went out, it was like an oh no moment. Because then it's all of a sudden like, okay, Winston's out, Book is a healthy scratch, and Hill is out with a concussion. So it's only Trevor Simeon. We found out after the game, the backup quarterback to Simeon was Alvin Kamara. <laughs> so if Simeon gets hurt, Alvin Kamara was our starting quarterback. And his backup was Mark Ingram. <laughs> I mean, it, very, yeah. very yeah. funny. But I think um, the moment Jameis went out, I, I thought to myself, that's the game. I mean, It was. It, that's what we, we both mean, felt I mean, it. It uh, was an uh-oh it, moment. Everyone felt that was the game. But, but it doesn't matter what anyone feels. It matters what the 22 people on the field feel. And, and that defense... Powered through, I, I, Kyle. I think I think this is the best defense in the NFL. I, I think I think uh, we proved that this week, and just with how clutch they were, with with how how much the defense has been carrying the offense this season. I think you could say the Buccaneers may have more talent. The Buccaneers may be better on paper, but there is not a team in the NFL that has a defense support their offense more than the Saints do. Because the Buccaneers don't need that offensive help. They have all of it. And you know the Saints need that offensive help through their defense, and there's not a single team in the NFL right now that does that better than New Orleans. The wildest thing, up until the past two games, the Saints have barely been able to sack a soul. But the last two games, they've got, I think, what, eight sacks combined now? That the past game, Cam Jordan got a sack, Quan Alexander got a sack, 
Tonal Passignon got a sack at the I was obviously the last play of the game, but whatever. Um, two of them were the last drive of the game, so only one sack during the game, but ended with three. Eight sacks in two games is an improvement. As you know, against Atlanta, normally we get like 10 sacks a game, so I would expect a big one. Uh, we'll discuss that later. Um, I don't disagree, though. And Arjun, I believe I was the one who said it before, uh, during the last episode, of Demario Davis being one of the best linebackers, and I said the best linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Skip Bayless tweeted out uh, around the time right we recorded our episode, being like, Demario Davis is talking about all that hard-hitting uh, defense, all those things. We'll see when they get destroyed by Tom Brady and such. And then after the game, he tweeted out, no, in all caps, because his Tom Brady player lost. And it was, oh, no, boo-hoo, Skip Bayless. Demario Davis responded to him, responded to his original tweet by screenshotting the no tweet. And quote tweeted it with the no on his first tweet. And you cannot tell me he's the best linebacker in the NFL. You I mean, cannot do it. There's no argument against it. I'm I'm all up for Skip Bayless slander. So yep. so um it just everything about that win. Not not everything about the win. Most most everything. things about the win were incredibly seventy five percent of them <laughs> were incredibly satisfying. And and I think with that we can go into the negatives. Um, yes. So, so obviously, the the biggest news post game was that uh, there was news that Jameis Winston had sustained damage to his ACL and his MCL. Yes. And and we saw, I mean, we saw Jameis post game uh, dancing on, 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 on one leg with crutches, <laughs> jumping up in the air. It might be one of the best moments of the NFL season thus far. And I mean, Jameis to see him in in spirits after after Sean Payton, you know, sort of told press after the game that we think it's a pretty significant injury. It, it, it says a lot about the guy that Jameis Winston is and, and the guy he's matured to become. Um, so, obviously, the news came out that he had sustained a torn ACL and damage to the MCL out for the season. His future with the Saints is in jeopardy. Um, obviously, all prayers out to him. He I, He's a class act. He He's done well with this offense. I was really excited to see what he could do. With us, but you know, it's it's increasingly becoming likely that it won't be a possibility. He'll be a saint in the future, but that is a bridge we'll have to cross to when we come to it. But the bridge we have to cross to right now is who is going to be the Saints' quarterback for the rest of the season, and that is the big discussion. So the first note is Taysom Hill was out the past two weeks with a concussion. He, as of today, was back in practice, so he was back. Practicing with the team, he's been he's been technically out out three, out weeks, three weeks because of the, the bye. bye. Week. He's been out three weeks with the concussion. He is currently back practicing with the team. Uh, Trevor Simeon obviously is healthy, good to go. Ian Book will be back. He is not a healthy scratch next week. I would assume he's not going to be. I assume he's going to be in that lineup somewhere. Um, and now the discussion becomes who should start at quarterback. And as you said, those are our three options. I want to pose. Actually, I'll say who I believe should start. I think we start Simeon. I think you look at the team, and more news we'll get to later on another player we've now officially lost, which is Michael Thomas. You need Taysom's Swiss Army knife ability to do everything. That you can maybe dial up more plays for him and more pass plays and more plays at him him at quarterback. But I think we need someone who can be the quarterback, and also we need Taysom's ability to do Taysom. Because in this game, there were a lot of moments where you said, right now, we need Taysom to just run it like two yards instead of passing it from three yards. You need that. And I think we need Taysom's ability. We don't need his arm as much, so we need his ability. I, I've i been thinking about it all week, and um, I still don't know. I, I, I mean, possibilities of signing or trading for someone are pretty low. I mean, Cam Newton is a free agent, but I don't... Cam I, Newton has been rumored. There's also also people were like, oh, trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't want him on our team right now. Nuh-uh. And then, and then, I mean, Philip Rivers said yesterday, the Saints haven't approached me, but I would listen. I don't want Philip Rivers I don't want, here he either. Is, he is Jameis with the Bucks level player. I don't want that. Um, I also don't want Drew Brees out of retirement. He said he doesn't want to come back. I don't want him back either. I take I take Drew Brees. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't I I mean I would take him too, but also I don't think that'd happen. He's also uh, very out of shape. No, and all. no, I just, no, yeah. I, absolutely not. But but I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think it should be Simeon. Um, I, I think if, if Taysom were to be the starter, I think he could hold his own. 
Um, obviously, last season, two games against the Falcons did pretty well in those two wins, but a loss to the Eagles. Um, I, I think Taysom lost the starting job this year to to, to Jameis Winston. Uh, performed pretty poorly in in preseason. Um, so I'm just not 100% sold on on Taysom being the option, especially because of the reasons you gave that I think Taysom can really go back into that role he had in the Breeze offense. That that I mean, Sean Payton has revolutionized um offensive playbooks for years now and I think he's doing it again with with Taysom. I think Taysom can just become a third down quarterback. And I think I'd like be you, down for that. Like you see third down running backs, I think I think Taysom that was sort of his role under Drew. Um but I think Simeon showed poise in this one. Obviously he's not going to play that well. Um, consistently, I don't think, but I, I think it is enough. I, I think he, it could be yes. enough, especially with the schedule we've got coming up. I think I think Simeon can grab a few wins. If it's not working, we go to Taysom. Um, but I mean, it, it's just a really tough situation, and it's a situation that makes it really hard for me to be optimistic about the rest of the season um, because we're down to Trevor Simeon, who obviously Super Bowl champion Trevor Simeon. But <laughs> <laughs> what a what a what a reference there. But um, but he's not really a, a, a proven NFL quarterback. There, I mean, there are just not enough guys that are proven NFL quarterbacks because it's such a difficult job. And and Winston was one of those guys that has proven that he can put up the numbers, be in a role, be in a be in a game manager situation. But now we're left with two guys who are unproven, who are. Um, uh, seasoned veterans, I'd say they've been in the league for for a good amount of time. Taysom is over thirty years old, um, but the more I think about it, the more I think we should start with Simeon. If it doesn't go well, Taysom should become the full time quarterback, and and we see what we do with the receiving core once it gets there. Well, well, Arjun, now you mentioned the receiving core. I mean, we may as well discuss the elephant in the room, or in this case, the elephant not in the room, which is Michael Thomas. Obviously, as we've known, Michael Thomas has been out the first uh, seven, eight weeks of the season with an ankle injury. He suffered week one of last season against the Bucks, coincidentally, because we play the Bucks this week. He suffered at week one of last season against the Bucks, and it was nagging him all season long. He was off all season. Drew Brees just discussed this on uh, Sunday Night Countdown that he was like, look, he was off. Like, we all knew it. He knew it. But he played through it all season and then was going to deal with it in the offseason. And the goal was he would rehab. We've discussed this before on the podcast of, oh, he'd rehab, and then he didn't, and it was weird, whatever. Now he's out for the season because he suffered a setback in training. So he got back for the season. He's been on the pup list. Uh, he was scheduled to come off it, but obviously that is not the case. So that happened. Michael Thomas basically has not played since healthy since getting a five-year, $100 million extension. What what do we do? <laughs> I, I think it, it's a tough situation because we know Michael Thomas is um, is one of the more outspoken personalities in the NFL. I, I think you could say that. Um, but my initial thought was how how could this injury be be affecting him for this long? Uh, you mentioned Keyshawn Johnson was on first take um, talking about a similar injury he had and that it, it does nag you. And I think it was a high ankle sprain, and, and we yeah. know that those linger. Those are tough injuries to deal with, but for it to be this long, I mean, we hope there's not something else going on with Thomas and the organization, but uh, there were hints at that this offseason. But um, we hope we can move on from this and and that he's back healthy next year because it's it's a five-year deal. He seems committed to New Orleans um, and the team. Uh, I know the fans are, are committed to him because he's he's at his best, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and and is so we've seen it. He's so integral to what this team does. Um, but the thing is, how do we how do we fix it for the rest of this year? Similarly to Jameis being out, now we've got to figure out a, a, a solution for Thomas because we thought he'd be back by now or, or maybe in the in the next couple weeks, but he's out for the season. Agreed. And you would assume based on preliminaries and everything else, the Saints would have known about this for the trade deadline, which passed on Sunday. Um, or no, passed yesterday. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. So the Saints would have known about this ahead of time. There's no way they didn't. They would have known at least a day or two in advance. There was rumors they attempted to try and trade for Darius Slayton from the Giants, among other guys, um, but didn't get a deal done. 
if you're Sean Payton, if you're Mickey Loomis, and you see your star receiver is now out for the year, what do you do? You go get a receiver. What did they not do? Get a receiver. So now it becomes a what do you do? And you look at the who was waived, who could be waived, everything around that. So the, the names that come to mind in terms of receiving core and players that were waived or whatever, Deshaun Jackson was waived by the Rams. He is a possible option to sign if he clears waivers. Um, and there is one more name we'll discuss in a second. But I do want to quickly walk through the depth of our receiving, receiving group just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at. Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, uh, Deontay Harris. I believe we have Ty Montgomery in there. And that's Kenny Stills, Kevin White. I mean, you know, not ideal. And, not and, an ideal receiving core. And none of these guys have been the clear-cut number one. Either. I believe we, we, don't, we don't have a guy that has has stepped up to take the majority of the targets. I, I say if I had to throw a name out, it would be Deontay Harris. Yeah, but he's looked the best with I mean, uh, I mean, Jameis. Against the Bucks, Kevin White had one catch. Deontay Harris had three. Traquan Smith had three. Garrett Griffin had three. Callaway had three. Ingram had two. Kamara had three. Uh, Troutman had two, and obviously Alex Arma with a touchdown uh, and one catch. So that is spreading the ball out a lot. Um, it's a good thing to do that. But it's a good thing for for a team of the caliber of the Saints, of the caliber we want the team to be, to have a receiver that asserts themselves. And and we thought preseason would be Callaway because he had a stellar preseason. I said he would be our breakout player of the season. He the, has that has not materialized. Because the problem that he's ran into is that he's going up against the best quarters on the team now. Yeah, and that he's a great receiver. He's not there yet. He's not a Justin Jefferson. When he's a young player like that, he's not that he's not that good. So now it's the what do you do? There is no number one. Traquan and Callaway are barely number twos. If they if they scratch and claw and fight their way to be number two receivers, they could be number two receivers. So there's no number one guy. You let Emmanuel Sanders go in the offseason for cap reasons. We accepted that, whatever. If we had him right now, lifesaver. It would be needed. The Huge. only guy outside of Deshaun Jackson that is available or possibly available. Who is another news story we're discussing? Because we're going from Michael Thomas on to another receiver. This is the the second big news story, or one of the other big news stories today. This is multiple. You put them all on the same level. This is one of the other big news stories today. Is the Cleveland Browns and Odell Beckham Jr. So yesterday it was reported the Browns would not listen to trade offers for OBJ. That was the report. Is that teams that inquired about him, including the Saints. And no trade materialized because the Browns either were denying teams or asking for way too much. And now it looks like today, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns ownership dismissed OBJ and basically said, don't report to practice, you're, you're stay at home, essentially. And he told the team today, Stefanski per reports, that OBJ will not be a part of the team moving forward. And what that leads us to think is that he's going to be released and he's going to be waived. And that is a huge step from the fact that you could have, you know, gotten some assets for him a day a day earlier. So don't know where they're going with this. Um, but if it looks like he gets waived, uh, he has a $7.9 million salary until the end of the season that he's going to be paid by the Browns. It's guaranteed. And if uh, on top of that, it would be the salary he gets, I believe, from whatever team he plays for. And that is a huge contract that basically no team can afford currently. So he'll go through waivers. If a team can find the money for it, they can put a waiver claim in. And for those who don't know how waiver claims work, they go based on the record but flipped. So the worst teams get first crack at guys, and it goes down the list. Seats are somewhere in the middle because they're 5-2. They have the buy, so they're less. They're worse than 6-2 teams. They're somewhere in that weird, like, Cowboys range. So they have a long shot at getting him. But if he clears waivers by some miracle— he can sign a contract with any team he wants for not that much money. So, if he clears the waivers, which there is a stronger than zero chance he does, we should sign him, correct? Am I right in that? If if we've got the money, and, and the, the Saints' you know salary cap has been point of discussion, if we've got the money... I don't see why not. I mean, Odell went to LSU. He knows the Louisiana, New Orleans area. Um, I, I think he's generally unhappy in Cleveland, but Odell, you know, the personality is always a question mark. 
But the but, one thing I'll say, but, if you're sending him personality-wise to anywhere, New Orleans isn't a bad one. That When Antonio Brown was a free agent, it was said, send him to New Orleans. He could be dealt with by everybody. And, I mean, I agree with that. Odell is in the same boat of, like, you know what? He's not as crazy as Antonio Brown, I was gonna say. mind you. <laughs> but send him to New Orleans. Cam Jordan, Mark Ingram, Mario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins. I think, and Sean Payton, they could handle his personality. New Orleans would accept him coming back home. He'd all of a sudden be the outright number one wide receiver. So all of a sudden you'd say, hey, Odell, you're the number one guy. Have fun. And he would solve a lot of the offense's problems. He would all of a sudden mean that he's double teamed. And then Callaway's open more. Smith's open more. Troutman's open more. Kamara's open more. It would free up so much of this offense. And I hope it happens. I I hope (laughs) I hope we get somebody. Um, But obviously after the trade deadline is gone, it's going to be really hard to, to, to just, you know, grab somebody. Unless they're um, Kevin White caliber. Yeah. Um, but the the issue with the wide receiver core, I don't think will be solved with Odell, especially because of the, the quarterback situation now. Um, but that's a big piece of NFL news that, you know, is Saints-related. But but we'll go to a little bit of non-NFL-related, non-Saints-related non Non-Saints-related news. news, which is the first and, and, time in a long time. And, and Kyle, this one's a doozy. Um, you want to talk us through it really quick? Yes. So this morning it was reported that Aaron Rodgers uh, has COVID-19 and will be out for the Packers versus Chiefs game. The game everyone was waiting to see Rodgers versus Mahomes. It was finally going to happen. Not happening. It was reported this morning by most people, including uh, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero and others, that he had COVID-19. And then the point was brought up of, oh, it looks like per the NFL— Aaron Rodgers is not vaccinated. And then that becomes a very big, uh-oh, what do you mean he's not vaccinated? In the past, he has stated he is uh, immunized, I believe. Yes, that was the um, wording. He said he was immunized in, in a press conference in the offseason, just before the season started, and he said um, there are guys who have not gotten vaccinated, and that's their personal decision, and I'm not going to judge them for that. That verbiage led everyone to believe that he was vaccinated. It, is, it feels like that. That yeah. verbiage led everyone to believe he was vaccinated, but, you know, where he was careful was using the word immunized. Yes. And now reports from, from, from Rappaport from, yes, from Ian came Rappaport. out that, that he requested— um, uh, I, he, If I, if yeah. I may, uh, uh, per Ian Rappaport, uh, rap sheet on Twitter, uh, King— uh, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers received homeopathic treatment for from his personal doctor to raise his antibody levels and ask the NFL to review his status. The NFL, NFLPA, and joint docs ruled him as unvaccinated, which means he's out for two weeks. <laughs> and yeah, That's the, how it works. The, the earliest he can return is uh, Saturday, November 13th, which means he'll miss... Um, all he'll miss the the Chiefs game and all of next week's practices um, until he comes back next Saturday. But this is a huge story um, in in terms of Rodgers being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but the fact that he sort of misled everybody about it too, I think that is the bigger story. I mean, um, early reports are are indications that that you know he was designated as unvaccinated by the NFL, but didn't follow the protocols for unvaccinated people um, for unvaccinated he, players. Yes, and, and that's a big deal. I mean, it's we've seen COVID going around um, the Packers. It's Devontae it affect, Adams it, was out. Uh, pretty much Dada their entire Scanling wide was receiver out. room yeah. was out, and and it affected their team. They won the game against the Cardinals, of course, but now they're going to play the Chiefs. Um, obviously haven't had that great of a season, but it's a big game that they're going to have without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's costing his team by, I mean, by simply not being vaccinated. And, and obviously Adams, I believe was vaccinated and was out. Yeah. All the receivers, I believe, but to say that you are immunized, you can't just uh, expect people to say, you know, what does that mean? Right. You, you can't expect to, to mislead the people, the reporters, maybe even some teammates about your about your vaccination status and just expect to come away from it scot-free. I think that's really poor judgment from Aaron Rodgers, a guy I have a lot of respect for. But, you know, the, the fact is that he's endangered a lot of people here. He has. And it's a very 
strange spot he's put his team in because now all of a sudden they're going to be questioned of, oh, did you know he wasn't vaccinated? And like, there's no good way to answer that. Be like, oh, we knew he was vaccinated, but we didn't tell anybody. Or, oh, we didn't know. We assumed or anything. It's there is just a lot that is going to happen because of this. And there is no solving this that he can do. And I would be shocked to see to not see repercussions come down somewhere along the lines. And I don't know what those are going to look like, but it's not going to be good for Rodgers. Um, but on that front, we have to wait. And again, this came out today, maybe minutes after Michael Thomas news came out and maybe minutes after Odell news came out. This was like a, a one hour span of NFL just bonkers news. And you know what the worst part is, Arjun? We're not even done with the news. There's still more NFL news to go. So we're going to shift quickly to uh, some trade deadline chat before we get to two and NFL roundup stuff where we get to two more NFL topics and then the Saints Falcons preview. Firstly, trade stuff. Uh, the two big trades that came out of the trade deadline, Von Miller from the Broncos for two day two picks uh, to the Rams. So Von Miller is now a Ram. Which is scary. And, I mean, I, I tweeted this out on my main um, Twitter account, not on the podcast Twitter account, but I tweeted that the Rams were my Super Bowl favorite before this, and this just solidifies that. I mean, Von Miller not producing as much as he used to as a Bronco. Doesn't matter, he's but, Von Miller. <laughs> but, but, yeah, he's Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller, when you've got Von Miller and Aaron Donald bearing down on you as a quarterback, that's got to be two of the scariest people you can think of that—, that can come in you and come at you at a pass rush, and uh, Jalen Ramsey in the secondary as well, a very talented player. I mean that the the Rams' offense has been fantastic. I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan. The way he's played um, in this offense, uh, along with you know Darrell Henderson has done a really good job. Cooper Cup has been stellar, and that defense. Obviously, the names that they've got back there. I think the Rams are my main contender to win the Super Bowl this year. So, But just based on what we've seen, their only losses to the Cards, um, who are also a very good team. Um, but th- it's a huge trade. And, and they, you know, they get two, they uh, gave two second-day second draft picks back. So it could be two through four. We don't know the exactly where right now. But, yeah. um, but, I mean, we've seen it with the Rams. They are giving up draft picks left and right. Their, their mentality is win right now. If they don't win the Super Bowl in the next two seasons, two or three seasons, they're going to look back on it and, and think what happened. Because, and it's because, because their contracts are going to all head at the same time, and it's going to be rough sledding. And and I mean, the, the, the deal for Stafford, when that immediately happened, we talked about it this summer, Kyle, that when we saw that Stafford deal happen, the Rams are trying to win right now. Because Stafford is not getting any younger. Obviously, quarterback longevity has gone up in recent years. But... That is their mentality. They're not building some sort of. They're not in a rebuild. They're done with that. They are trying to win the Super Bowl this year, next year, and the year after that. And they are setting up very nicely for it. They are, and it's it's going to be scary playing against them at some point in time. Hopefully, we get to avoid them in the playoffs, uh, but we have to wait on that one. Um, and the last kind of other trade that happened was uh, Melvin Ingram being traded from the Steelers, who signed there in the offseason. He was traded from the Steelers to the Chiefs, where I believe a sixth-round draft pick. Uh, the Chiefs are one of the worst pass-rushing defenses in the NFL. They get somebody who can rush the passer, so it helps them a lot. A and and Ingram, was, lot. Ingram was unhappy in Pittsburgh. So, he was doing nothing in Pittsburgh. So this it, is a yeah. it's, it's a good deal for both sides. I mean, the Steelers were trying to trade Ingram. Um, there were talks for him a lot, and the, and the Chiefs really need a guy like that right now. Yeah, and they got something for him, which is better than nothing. Um, so the Chiefs got Ingram, the Rams. Oh my God, they got Von Miller. Um, so that happened. And then let's do some little bit of a little bit of NFL roundup from the past week, Arjun. Um, this and was a, a Kyle, weird the, week. Eight. Yeah, the the craziest thing this week, Kyle, Mike White. Trevor Simeon and Cooper Rush all won NFL football games on Sunday. Yes. Incredible. And let's just let's start. what a great day of football that was. Well, we gotta start on Thursday though. So Thursday the Packers Cardinals played. Packers won on a last second interception with the uh then healthy Aaron Rodgers. Uh then the week's games going quickly through them. Carolina beat Atlanta in a bad game. Uh Buffalo beat Miami in a rough game. 
The Niners beat down Chicago in a tough-looking matchup. Pittsburgh beat Cleveland in a sad game. Um, Philly demolished Detroit 44-6. Tennessee beat Indianapolis in overtime. Um, And Tennessee, we also have to discuss, by the way. Forgot about this. Derrick Henry. He's out for like six, ten weeks. Um, that that also happened. Oh my gosh, this this week has been insane, Kyle. Um, I completely forgot about that too. But it's huge. And but but honestly, I think it's not not a better team it could have happened to because their division is bad. And and still, with all in all likelihood, they're going to make it out of that division into the but, playoffs. And hopefully, by the time the playoffs roll out, they'll have Derrick Henry back. Yeah. And the thing is, to think about that. By the way, Derrick Henry. Uh, the top two players in terms of touches for their NF for their teams, I believe, or in terms of just general offense. Number one, Derrick Henry. Number two, Alvin Kamara. And then there's like a big drop off with the rest of the league. That shows you how much that man does. Their entire offense is just him. Yes. And, Our and entire th- offense is Kamara. Their entire offense is just Derrick Henry. But but I, I mean the Titans signed Adrian Peterson as well. So I mean he's a- not a- Derrick a- Henry. A- D- He's not the player he used Former to be. Former Saint AD. <laughs> but but the thing is with the Titans is that they've got AJ Brown and Julio Jones in, in their wide yeah, receiving core do. as well, and Ryan Tannehill is by no means a bad quarterback. So uh, I mean the Titans are still. I mean we'll have to see how they do without Henry because as you said, their offense revolves around him. A very old school style of football that Mike Vrabel plays over there. But but with with the assets they have in in AJ Brown and. And Julio Jones, I, the Titans, I think, are still in great position. And, oh, they are. Um, but but missing Henry is huge. And initially, reports were that he was out for the season, that he was yeah. done for the year. But which was the start of the week. <laughs> but it was sort of uh, amended to six to eight to ten weeks around that spot. So six weeks is the best case scenario for them. They can finish out their season with him. Ten weeks would mean he, they'll have him back right around when playoffs starts. Yeah, which is going to be a, a and for a player who does as much for them as he does, that's going to be a rough one for him to come back from. Um, but we'll have to wait on him. Uh, next up, the Rams, who we've mentioned, beat Houston 38-22 in just a expected game. Um, New England beat the Chargers, made uh, Justin Herbert not look like himself. He hasn't been great this season, um, and they they beat him. Mac Jones got the better of Herbert. Uh, Jacksonville got hammered by Seattle, thirty-one to seven. Denver won a, a barn burner, seventeen ten, over Washington. Uh, Dallas beat Minnesota in a very very tight game, twenty sixteen. Uh, the Giants beat the Chiefs or the Chiefs the Giants, twenty to seventeen, and again a really bad game. The Saints, as we said, beat Tampa, and last but not least, as you led off with, the Jets beat the Bengals, thirty-four thirty-one. Behind the dominant play of one Mike White, uh, what a performance! I mean, I mean Zach Wilson out, um, and and Mike White coming in and throwing the ball forty-five times for four hundred yards, three touchdowns, two picks. But I mean that the Bengals are are a good team, and and the Jets got it done at home. The Jets' only two wins this season are are against the the Bengals. And against the Titans, two very two pretty good teams. So I mean, uh, I'm really interested to see how Mike White continues to play, um, especially with Zach Wilson probably being out. Um, but what an impressive performance by him, and impressive by Simeon to get it done um, against Tampa and and Cooper Rush holding his own against the Vikings in Minnesota as well. So um, all three of those players. Uh, deserve to be highlighted for their for their contributions. All three winning games, but Seriously. but especially I, I think um, Rush and Rush I mean, Simeon. I mean, realistically, I, I, all of them. I think <laughs> uh, for for Rush to do it is, is a testament to uh, the Cowboys' defense and how good they've been this year too. Um, as well as uh, Simeon getting it done with with the Saints' defense. All those guys had yeah. to lose game manage, but Cooper Rush made some incredible throws. And I mean, Mike White beat the number one team in the AFC. I mean, it would. None of them had a bad. They all had good weeks. Absolutely. Very, very well done, y'all. Um, so that that happened this week. Um, we now do need to get to more serious topics, though, Arjun. Um, it's we'll start with uh, a team that has basically been in the spotlight all all season so far in the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, John Gruden has happened. 
We didn't discuss that here in the podcast because it happened on, I believe, the week we were off or it happened the day after an episode or something. We didn't discuss John Gruden. Um, and the next story for them, at least, is Henry Ruggs III. Uh, he was involved, I believe, yesterday or the night before in a car crash um, that ended up killing a 23-year-old woman. Um, we firstly want to say our thoughts and prayers go out to her family. That is the first thing we need to say, is that our thoughts and prayers are with them, um, and it's a tragic accident. It wasn't even an accident. I can't, I, we'll just say it was a tragic car crash. That is how we'll put that for now. Um, these details are still coming out over time. Um, what we know about it, and we will discuss it, we'll leave out a lot of the details, but some of them were that he was going 156 when the crash occurred. He was going He was going 156 seconds before and 127 when, Mile you know, per hour, right, right before the crash. Airbag, airbags being blown. Yeah. So the fact that... Rugs is still is alive is yeah. shocking. I, I think I think the the main takeaway from this is that, or not the main takeaway. One of the takeaways is that is that Henry Ruggs is number one lucky to be alive. Um, his, his blood alcohol content was was twice Nevada's legal limit. He had a firearm in the car as well, illegally illegal possession of a firearm. His girlfriend was in the car with him. She sustained uh, serious injuries. So I mean, the Raiders cut Rugs last night, obviously. Um, not only is his NFL career over, but but with uh, everything that we found out since, he he could be behind bars for years. It's the jail sentence, I believe, is between two and twenty years, depending on what the the jury believe, believe on on what the legal proceedings end up happening. It could be a two to twenty year um, conviction, which is a lot. Um, that that's he's as you said, his NFL career is done. Realistically. I don't think there's a chance he plays in the NFL again. And if he does, it's going to be when he's 37. Um, and this firstly shows just how precious life is. Um, one, number two, do not drink and drive, people. This shouldn't have to even be said anymore. It it just should be a given. Never drink and drive. It's, a, it's a, never a good thing to do. Never. should never do it. The, the NFL offers a free service to players where they give them rides home if they're inebriated or, or whatever they need. Um, for a reason, and and for, I mean, maybe Ruggs didn't know about it, um, but regardless, it's not a decision anyone should make, especially especially when your your blood alcohol content is is twice the legal limit in your state, when you've got someone else in the car with you, and when you're endangering everybody else around you as well, and you know, it's just an extremely unfortunate situation. Again. Um, Prayers out to the to the victim of of the crash. Um, it's just such an unfortunate situation for for everybody involved, and and we hope and we hope it's a you know learning experience for for everybody. That you know, I mean, going over 150 miles an hour is is ridiculous. I mean, and again, Rugs is is lucky to even be alive after after something like that. I was gonna say when I saw those numbers, I was like, there's just how. That's unexplainable. And 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 I think the the larger question is, I mean, why was he going that fast? I mean, what was uh, he clearly needed help or or something? I mean, it, it it's just unfortunate for everybody. Yeah. And we'll find out more as the uh, court case and the criminal case are developed and continue. Um, and for now, we'll leave it there. Um, the next story and kind of piling into our breakdown and preview of the Atlanta Falcons game, we need to start with the Falcons star player, Calvin Ridley. Um, Calvin Ridley uh, tweeted out on October 31st, um, these past few weeks have been very challenging and as much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football at this time and focus on my mental well-being. This will help me be the best version of myself now and in the future. I'm going to thank my teammates, the entire Atlanta Falcons organization, our great fans, my friends, and my family for all of their support during this time. Uh, he did not travel with the team uh, two weeks ago to England to play, and but he was at the team's different uh, public community service events throughout the week or so. Um, and I want to start with, again, 
firstly, our thoughts go out to Calvin. Um, mental health is as serious as it gets. And I, I think it's part of a wider conversation that, that people are having now, especially with athletes like Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka coming out and saying their, their struggles with mental, mental health. One thing I noticed was that um, Calvin Ridley was getting a lot more support than either Naomi or Simone Biles or got. Dak Prescott got when yeah, he came out with this. It, it, it's, it, it's good to see that progression, I guess, but I think a lot of it chalks down to um, Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles being women as well, uh, just to get on my soapbox a little bit. Just, I mean, um, the, the amount of backlash that those two women got for, for their decisions really wasn't seen here, and it should never be seen. I mean, a player taking... I mean, for when when you when you watch a football game or when you watch any sporting event, it is unfathomable to think of how much pressure these athletes are under. Whether you're the first guy on the roster or the last guy on the roster, everybody is under pressure, under immense pressure to perform. Um, you may say, "Oh, these guys are getting paid to throw around a football." You're watching it and you're criticizing them week after week after week, and it's not that easy to just ignore it. So. Uh, to just go out there and, you know, tweet from your couch and say, oh, Simone Biles let her team down. She's not letting anybody down. She's making a decision that's best for her, as is Calvin Ridley here. So all support to him. Um, we hope that he can come back to football um, as soon as he's feeling better. Um, but, you know, in the last few weeks we've been seeing, you know, he's been out due to personal issues. Whenever you see that, it's always concerning. Um, so... Uh, Again, Calvin Ridley, immensely talented player. I've loved him since, ever since he was, you know, at Bama playing playing incredibly good football. Um, so we hope he's we hope he's good. We hope he is good as well. Um, as Arjun said, our 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 thoughts go out to him. Um, hope he can he can get back to being himself because as we've seen, as you said, Simone Biles and Amy Osaka, Dak Prescott, the Saints offseason, as we said, Deontay Harris has been dealing with a lot. And mental health is a very serious topic that will just that's, again, a very blanket statement to say, but that's the truth of it, that there are a lot of people out there. You don't know what people are going through every day. You don't know what Calvin Ridley is going through on a daily basis. You don't know what Deontay Harris, Naomi Osaka, any of them are going through on a daily basis. So don't just assume they're perfectly fine every day. That is not what you do. Take care of everybody. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your friends. Check in on people. Make sure to see how they're doing. That is just just should be done any day anyway. But please do it. Um we will now shift to general Falcons chat, though, and previewing this game um, against them. Uh, it is going to be uh, a game that is going to come at a strange time for the Saints. It is coming, obviously, 1 o'clock, um, one, 1 to 1 p.m. game. It is in New Orleans, another home game for us, um, third home game of the season, coming off that big home dub against the Buccaneers. This... Arjun realistically should be an easier victory. It it should, but you know the, the big question mark is around the quarterback and and who starts. We don't know that information yet. Uh, Sean Payton. Sean Payton said yesterday that he's not going to comment on it at so all. So we, we probably won't know until Sunday. Yes, until game time. I, I fully expect Sean Payton to be extremely secretive about it. Um, but the truth is, the Saints are just a better football team than the Falcons are, uh, even even without Jameis Winston. Um, again, a home game, divisional game. It's always going to be a toss-up, um, but I, I fully expect the Saints to come through, follow up their incredible performance against the Buccaneers, and if the Saints win this game, Kyle, they go top of the division. We do. We With a victory, we become 6-2, and two, which is the tied record with the Buccaneers, but because we have the tiebreaker for beating them, this is when that comes into factor, is we're now top of the division. So anyone who said, oh, the, tie, the, the Saints being the Buccaneers doesn't matter if they lose or not, no, no, no. The Bucs' loss to the Saints is huge. Because we have the tiebreaker now. So right now, at the end of the season, when it matters, that victory comes up again. And it matters right now. Because if we win, we are the top team in the division. And all of a sudden, we're sitting at a, a quite pretty uh, spot in the standings. I think that is the, the the best way to put it, is that all of a sudden, we, I believe, Arjun, would be sitting as a, a three seed, I think, uh, in the – or no – Sorry, way less than that. We're using the fifth, the fifth best team in the NFC because you know 
there's three teams with seven wins and one team with six wins and one loss. If, if the Saints <laughs> win going top of the division, I think would put us in the four seed because the Packers have only one loss. Packers, the Cowboys are, Packers only are seven have one and loss. one. Cowboys are six and one. Cardinals and Rams are both seven and one as well. God, look at the and, NFC and, right now. And I mean the Rams, the Rams or the Cardinals, whoever is top of that division, they would go to that wild card spot. So, um, which is crazy. Yeah, and so the Saints, I mean, sitting really pretty, but again. This game is going to be huge because, I mean, last year you saw Drew Brees was out. The first game that Taysom started was against the Falcons. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it. I have no idea how to assess this offense. Um, we know how to assess this defense, but we know how good it is. But um, without so many pieces um, in the wide receiver core and now missing Jameis Winston, who's done a, who's done a pretty good job this year, um, holding on to the football, and we know Taysom has turnover issues. We said it earlier, I think Trevor Simeon is the better choice here, but we hope that if Taysom is the choice, that he ends up being um, more careful with the football, more aware in the pocket, um, better at um, pocket awareness, because that was something that he struggled with last year. He took a lot of sacks, lost the football a lot when trying to get out of the pocket. So... I mean, the, the Saints season is, uh, I mean, go, being 5-2 and two in this position is, is incredible. And, and we were discussing it pre-episode. Um, the rest of the games are, you know, divisional games are tough, but the three toughest matchups the Saints have left are the Buccaneers away, the Bills on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys the week after that. Those are the three toughest matchups left, and I think those are the games, the three games that are clearest um, that we could probably take, take a loss there. So that would yeah. put us at five losses, and if you add one or maybe two or three trap games, that's that's what we're it, looking double digit wins at least. Yes, because again, one extra week of football, we're looking double digits. We're looking somewhere in that ten and seven minimum range of. And before the season, we said ten and seven would be a great season for the Saints. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at that as a minimum. Take yeah. that into account, people. And, and that is crazy. We hope we hope they can exceed that, um, especially with this quarterback situation, but. I think for this defense, it, it, it's going to have to continue to carry us. And we know they can. And again, this is the best defense in football. This is the most important defense in football. It is. And statistically, the Saints, yards-wise, are the fourth best defense in the NFL behind the Panthers, Niners, and Bills. Um, but realistically, we're one of the top two defenses in the NFL. I think that's just where this defense is at. I mean, overall... I would say it's us and it's Buffalo as the best defenses in the league. And I think that can't really be argued in terms of how we've played. I mean, we even 27 points to the the Bucks. We had three turnovers. We realistically annihilated them defensively. It was wild to watch. Uh, Mike Evans did one thing all game, and it was one catch for a touchdown against Lattimore, who didn't play his best. I was really hoping that Evans wouldn't do anything. I would have yeah. talked about it on the podcast. I would have been like, look what happened here. But, you know, they lost the game. Um, so that's all that matters to me. I don't care about Mike Evans or your stats or how you did against Lattimore. You lost the football game, you know. Yeah, you lost the football game. Uh, and of note, uh, this Falcons rush defense gives up about 50 extra yards per rut, per game rushing uh, than the Saints do. Uh, they are a better pass defense, but that's fine. This The Saints are used to playing against the pass because, you know, our rush defense is so dang good. So we passed on more. Um, so if I'm the Saints, I am attacking them on the ground personally. I'm going at them on the ground. I'm going Kamara, Ingram, back to back all day, every day. Yeah, and Ingram didn't get that many touches against but against he, Tampa, but he he played well. He he did what he needed to do. Got it. Got a few good runs. Efficient runner, as we know, Mark Ingram is. But I expect him to get a lot more touches next week against Atlanta. Oh yeah, big time. Especially with uh, Simeon Hill book playing quarterback, it'll happen more. Um, and if you are wondering why we're saying Ingram, it's because Merkingham was traded to the Saints last week during our episode. Um, you go listen to that uh, on Spotify, Apple, wherever your podcast from. Uh, he was traded mid-episode. He played this week as number 14, which he said was an ugly number, but he was going to make it pretty. Make, make, make the number pretty, and he did He did just that with a few good catches, a few good runs. Uh, a bunch of those like 11-yard just run-through players. It was, it was good to see Ingram back in a Saints uniform, even if it's not his normal number. But 14 is the inverse of 41, which is Alvin Kamara's number. 
Yeah. So and, I think and, it kind of works. And Kyle, I, I think as Arsenal fans, I think I was a little insulted when he said 14's an ugly number. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> He's talking for the NFL, okay? <laughs> not about not about our King Thierry Henry. Uh, but whatever. Uh, and Arjun, we'll wrap the episode up with uh, your score predictions against Atlanta. What do you think the score will be? Um, I think the Saints are going to pull it out. I think it's going to be decently low scoring. I think the Saints are going to win uh, 23 13. I'm going basic in terms of a score. I'm going no field goals. I'm thinking 28-21 in terms of the Saints are going to beat the Falcons. I think we're going to get, and I know this is a very bold claim, I think we're going to get a special teams touchdown somewhere. Either kick return, punt return. Deontay Harris return. Deontay Harris return. Cali return. Who knows who ends up getting it. Um, Harris is just so good at returning the ball, man. He's just too good. Um, but I would say a return touchdown somewhere, and then the Kamara and Ingram show, I think is what it is. They got three touchdowns between them. I think one of them's a passing touchdown from whoever plays quarterback. The rest of them are rushing touchdowns. Um, but we'll have to wait on that one. Uh, thank you for listening to this hour-long episode of the Going Going Lunar podcast. Thought it would be longer than it was, but it was not. Again, just two reminders at the end of the episode, as we stated throughout. Firstly, do not drink and drive. That is just a, a, a no. I'm going to leave it at that. And again, check on everyone's mental health. Check on people. See how they're doing. If they need anything, like, help. Like, you don't know what's going on inside people's heads. Everyone's got their own issues, and you have to remember that, that we're not all perfect human beings. That That's just who we are. So with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Going Gooner podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Pod. Check out our Arsenal episode, which will be dropping the same day this one does. We'll be talking our things Arsenal and Champions League and even Spurs, sadly. Um, but thank you for listening. For myself, from Arjun, we will see you all later.